Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everyone, welcome to a new edition of Hue at Home. Well, we all, I guess, love food, uh, and we all think that, well, we need food to live. But sometimes it's not as simple as that. We're gonna have a very in-depth conversation, and I think all of us will learn a little bit more after today. Uh, you know what, thank you so much, Shailene Jones, for having, uh, for being here on Hue at Home, and um, yeah, talking about food but food issues and it's part of life it's been happening for years and years and years and it still hasn't gone away eating disorders so I'm gonna give it to you now you're in Nova Scotia you've founded this incredible organization it's been more than 20 years now eating disorders Nova Scotia uh, so we're gonna start with your story your lived experience Shailene which makes it so impactful Great. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. It's a pleasure to chat with you here uh, here this afternoon. And um, yeah, I um, started what was now called Eating Disorders Nova Scotia over 25 years ago. You know, I was I was new to the province, and um, I had known from my own personal experience how valuable it was to be able to connect with the community and how important that was for my own recovery experience. You know, and I lived with an eating disorder for about four or five years in my, in my late teens. And for, for me, being able to connect with people who really understood what I was going through, what that experience was like, um, the challenges and the ups and downs of recovery. For me, that was really instrumental in my recovery process for myself, you know, staying, staying well in those early days of recovery. Uh, so when I moved to, to Nova Scotia, Mike um, was kind of looking around and there, there wasn't a similar eating disorders community here. There wasn't um, an, kind of an, a collective or organized way for folks to connect. Um, and I was in my early 20s and I just started chatting with like, anyone who would listen. And, um, you know, there's a number of us who got involved in that point. Um, and we formed what was then called uh, the Eating Disorders Action Group because we just believe so strongly that... Um, no one should have to go through an eating disorder alone. And that being able to connect with the community was really important. So that's how we, we got our start many, many years ago. And, uh, and since then, uh, we've been providing peer support in various formats um, to folks across the province of Nova Scotia and really beyond. So it's interesting, Nova Scotia, and, you know, Pardon, and, and we feel it too because we're the prairie of Manitoba. You don't yeah. think of these things 
you know, happening here? You know, you're thinking, oh, Toronto, uh, you know, British Columbia, Quebec or something. What is that, I guess, what is it like, especially when you go through it now, 25 years later, has the problem become bigger or has it lessened in Nova Scotia? Yeah, I think the, um, we understand a bit more about eating disorders than we certainly did 25 years ago. You know, so I, th I think the, the knowledge base has increased. Um, I, I think people's general understanding that eating disorders are, you know, they're really complex mental illness with a biological driver to them. So I think people's understanding of eating disorders hopefully has, has changed from what it was 25 years ago. Um, numbers are not going down. And certainly during the pandemic, um, there was a very significant increase um, and folks across the board who were experiencing eating disorders um, to the point that they needed really a, a acute care. So um, those numbers um, are, are still very, very much a concern for all of us in the eating disorders field. And, you know, eating disorders don't really, um, they don't just impact one certain type of person. You know, I think um, certainly 25 years ago when we were talking about eating disorders, we were thinking about this as an illness or a condition or an affliction that impacts young, white, middle-aged girls who are into gymnastics. We kind of had this stereotype um, in our heads around who is impacted. Um, and of course, what we know today is that eating disorders can impact anyone. Um, there are folks who are living with an eating disorder who have no body image concerns and some who do. Um, folks who have been negatively impacted by uh, food insecurity, um, by trauma or just, you know, feeling like they're, they're othered in some way through their identity. Um, those all put people at risk for developing an eating disorder. So it really does impact folks um, from all parts of Canada, all different walks of life, ages, weights, genders, et cetera. Um, Shailene, I'm going to ask you this. I'm kind of curious, and I don't want it to be turned in, in a, the wrong way, but because it has now grown so much, and it and as you said, there's more information about it. Is it okay? Do you think that sometimes it's trendy to say that I have an eating disorder, or you know, or or maybe just say that I'm a picky eater, just so? I mean, how do you? I guess my question is, how do you you know present or you know, I guess support people that are kind of thinking it's, oh, kind of fatty, kind of, you know, cool kind of thing. Yeah. I think um, I think one of the really interesting things about eating disorders um, is that many of the behaviors that are associated with them, um, you know, restrictive eating, like really compulsively exercising, being, you know, very, very focused on food, weight and shape, um, these are all behaviors that in, in our culture are very much encouraged, especially for, um, for, for young people, for young women. Um, and so I think that's one of the challenges with eating disorders is they can often hide in plain sight because they're behaviors that are so socially reinforced and encouraged, um, you know, and being concerned about your weight, not liking your body. These are just things that are often just seen as like part of the experience, um, particularly for, for women and girls. Um, and so I think the the trends that we see around um, uh, focusing on weight loss equaling value as a human being and being small as being the only size to be, I certainly think that these these trends absolutely um, have an impact um, on folks who are at risk for developing an eating disorder. And we we know that 
Um, repeated, re repeated restrictive eating significantly increases your risk for developing an eating disorder. Um, and because these are, um, you know, these are, they're, they're brain-based illnesses, right? So when conditions are just so, um, and someone experiences, you know, all the risk factors, um, an eating disorder can really glow, grow, and, and flourish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now we've learned that it's not just your typical white females, it is also males. And it is alarming, the number that has increased, especially like you had mentioned, since COVID. Mm -hmm. Does that surprise you? Um, no, because um, we traditionally have not done a great job internationally around screening for eating disorders or asking people, what is your relationship like with food eating in your body? So when you don't ask the question, you don't get the information, right? <laughs> and you know, Canada has a real challenge with uh, surveillance and, and data and and ha having a sense of what is the status, what is the status of eating disorders in Canada? How prevalent is it? You know, what are the numbers here on the ground? Um, we're really suffering from a, a deficit in the data. Uh, but we we have known for many many years that that men and boys are impacted by eating disorders. Um, it's just it's just, it's screened for less often, um, and because we're not trained to see them in boys or in people who um, have different gender identity or expression um, or folks who are living in a larger body, we are much less likely to be doing any kind of screening. Um, and even if those folks do present for support, um, often they're they're not seen by their primary healthcare provider or by, by others as having a problem. And so they aren't getting that referral they need. So um, to see the number of boys who are being diagnosed that, um, I think we've known those numbers have been really different than what we have seen. And so it doesn't really. And is it different? I mean, I guess the, um, the treatment or the care and the support, is it different for the males than the females? Mm -hmm. Not really. I mean, primarily, with, especially with um, with restrictive eating disorders, one of the primary considerations for initial treatment is uh, nutritional rehabilitation. So because these are metabolically driven, brain-based illnesses, um, making sure that the brain is functioning again, the brain is not in starvation mode, um, regardless of, of, you know, your, your gender or your weight, that's a really essential part. Get that, that uh regulation mm -hmm. back online um, and then once people are working with a starved brain they're able to really dig in and and work through um through the issues that that led to the development and maintenance of that aging disorder what was it for you that was the breakthrough and i guess it's an ongoing battle so to speak like you're not totally Oh, gosh, I mean, that's like a really, that's a great question. And I think it's one that in the eating sort of time, everyone's experience is so different. You know, some people do certainly feel that um, they're managing the illness. You know, they've got a great quality of life, um, but it's still there and it's something they have to be aware of. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and for them, that's a much better place than when they were struggling. Um, for me personally, I feel that um, my recovery is very solid. Um, having the eating disorders very much a thing in the past, you know, it was many years ago now for me. Um, and I think when I reflect on what helped me uh, move to this place, so much of recovery for me was really about mm -hmm. and practicing the skills and practicing all the tools and techniques and, and and therapy and working with others. And as kind of I figured, you know, about who I was as a person and all that, but really practicing those skills. Um, and that part just takes a really long time. You know, when you're trying mm -hmm. to like unlearn and relearn everything. 
um, while living in a world that really promotes disordered eating, um, that's a, that's a struggle. But I do believe that full recovery is absolutely possible. Mm -hmm. And now you've got another hat, so to speak, that you're wearing, a co-founder mm -hmm. of Body Peace Canada. And mm -hmm. you touched on, like you said, an eating disorder. I mean, it doesn't discriminate against anybody. Uh, you, you know, it, uh, it uh, happens in all different s social classes and uh, gender um, mm -hmm. and BIPOC community. And these are really under, uh, you know, underdeveloped and also mm -hmm. they don't have the, the means, correct? Mm -hmm. And I mean, with your organizations now, uh, it's a, a click away. Yeah, oh, I love that. I love hearing that click away. Yeah, <laughs> we know that, you know, about uh, only about one in 10 people with an eating disorder actually receive specialized treatment for that. Now, we also know that the sooner someone is able to receive support, um, the faster they are able to, to go in remission and to recover. Getting access to support and treatment and resources as soon as possible is really to this, to this illness, to beating this illness. Um, not to say that you aren't able to recover if you are catching it early, but it just um, it allows for treatment to take place before the illness becomes really entrenched, right? Mm -hmm. So thinking about all the folks who are not receiving treatment, for a variety of reasons, it could be ge geography, access, um, access to treatment, access to funds, like all these variables, um, as well as feeling like maybe they don't deserve help, maybe they don't deserve treatment, maybe they're not don't feel like they're ill enough to to deserve it. So we're really looking at all these all these barriers folks experience when they're considering uh, reaching out for help and then trying to remove. So, so really trying to change that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's fascinating. I went on the on the website and maybe uh, just sort of explain the mission for Body Peace Canada and what it kind of will give hope to people across the country. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's the idea that we all deserve to be at peace in our bodies, whatever those bodies are like at any point in time, you know, and extending self-compassion, you know, to ourselves um, and uh, feeling at home and in our own bodies. So we created the uh, Body Peace Canada to bring together support and resources so that anyone 14 plus across the entire country um, could access immediate support. So um, folks can register for the program, it's pretty quick. Um, and then they can access um, curated videos, they can do a self-assessment where they can kind of go through a quick, a quick survey. Um, and figure out, you know, what's, is this an eating disorder or not? Um, as well as get, get connected and learn about other resources they can get support from. And of course, a whole variety of, of peer support programs. So there's drop-in groups, there's groups for trans folks, for, for um, BIPOC folks, for women over 40, um, as well as one-on-one -on -one peer support. So just a whole lot of support all in one place. Oh, it's so amazing. And it's, to go and, and to know that there are people that care about you, that you're not alone, I think that's a huge fact. Mm -hmm. Shailene, I guess maybe off the top of your head, if a parent out there is listening, or it could be a, a young person or some, you know, a person out there questioning or maybe struggling with an eating mm -hmm. disorder, what are the first steps? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think approaching it from a place of curiosity I think for, for parents, like really pay attention to your spidey senses. And if you feel like there's something going on with your kid, 
Um, absolutely act on that. You know, I think you, you had some great people on previously that walk and are a great resource. So um, connecting with others in your community who are knowledgeable about eating disorder support group that offers some, some encouragement and validation and hope. So learning more about them um, and talking to, your, talking to your child, depending on, you know, on their age. Um, there's some great resources available on talking to your family doctor, how to present these issues to them, how to work with your doctor if you've got a child. So um, really encourage folks, parents, um, to, to not wait, to take action as soon as they can and to really honor that the parental intuition that we get. Yeah. Um, and then for folks, if, the, if there's anyone out there who is feeling like we could be talking about them, you know, that they do have what may be a complicated relationship with, with food and eating, um, or if they've, you know, if they've been diagnosed with an eating disorder or completed treatment or, um, you know, ha have been struggling with an eating disorder, that this support is available to a team of 55 plus peer supporters who have all been through recovery, who are, who are drawing upon that expertise um, that they can connect with and get support from. And absolutely um, feeling better about your life and yourself and uh, not being controlled um, by all those, all that noise in your head about food eating, not eating, um, free that freedom is absolutely possible. So 25 plus years of doing this work, what have you learned, Shailene, about yourself and about eating disorders? I guess that surprised mm. you after well, all of these years. That's a great question. <laughs> you know, I think for me, the, the personality traits that that um, made it easier for my brain to develop an eating disorder, um, that stubbornness in particular, uh, I think I've tried to use that for, for good in a way. Um, and I think kind of to, to take that stubbornness and focus and to turn that into something that can be that can be positive. And so I think that's kind of how how it's kind of impacted my my life and my world. And I think one thing I'm I'm still like continuing to learn about is how complex these illnesses really are. You know, and we're still learning every day about um, how people are how people recover from experiences like. But the, the specific techniques and types of therapies and types of support um, and skills and what's needed to really help people move forward in their recovery um, with all the nuances that make up the experiences that people bring to the table. So that's, I find it really um, just learning more and more about eating disorders every day as more research comes out. Wow. You are doing incredible work. Uh, Body Peace Canada, the website is bodypeacecanada.ca. Uh, if you're in Nova Scotia, they've got eating disorders and s.ca. But Shailene, thank you so much uh, for all the work that you do. And I know it's not just you, your whole entire staff <laughs> and your team. This is definitely something that needs to be more talked about. And it isn't it's the real key, right? It is communication, peer support, listening, and above all, just knowing that you're not alone in this. Exactly. Yes, 100%. so thank you so much for being a guest here on Heal at Home and wish you and all of the, yeah, let's make it like we don't need to have <laughs> you do your work anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's the goal. Oh, thank, thank you so, you so much. much, Tracy. And thank you all for joining in on Heal at Home. We'll see you next time.
Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.